0: Hey everybody, welcome to Don't Sit in the Front. This week I talked to Jen Saunderson. She's a very funny stand-up comedian. She's at Jen Saunderson on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also find uh, all the funny and wonderful things that she is up to. She has a very good website, jensaunderson.com. She's also the co-host of a horror movie podcast called Everything is Scary with Kyle Clark it's one of my personal favorites. They, during the quarantine or pandemic, have been kind of running it like a horror movie book club. They will choose a movie and let you know a week ahead of time so you have time to watch it, and we'll watch a horror movie, talk about it, and also talk about comedy-related things and everything else. Jen has also been hosting some shows on Zoom for the Nowhere Comedy Club. She's been on some pretty big shows Uh, we talk about that a bit in this episode you can definitely check that out the nowhere comedy club they've been having some of the better and big zoom comedy shows that have been going on lately i really had a lot of fun on this episode i hope you enjoy it this is jen saunderson started hey everybody welcome to don't sit in the front this week i'm talking to very funny comedian jen saunderson she's at jen saunderson on twitter instagram and tiktok and i mentioned tiktok specifically because her tiktoks are very funny uh, you should go check her out there um and she's been on tv she's been on comedy central ifc fox places like that uh And lately, she's been hosting some Zoom shows uh, with the Nowhere Comedy Club. You can find her at all the places I just mentioned. Uh, I know her best, though, uh, from her podcast called Everything is Scary, which she co-hosts with Kyle Clark, and that's a horror podcast. And, uh, Jen, it's just sort of a funny thing where I think you started Everything is Scary like a year ago, more than a year ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, the title has sort of just become sort of a description <laughs> of the state of things as we've gone forward. So I heard the first episode and then that was maybe a few months before the pandemic and then kept listening and then it just sort of became like when you intro in the show, you guys are like, uh, like to say the title, like <laughs> everything is scary. <laughs>
1: we're just trying to find something that was all encompassing for horror because we mm. both uh because kyle and i we we originally met when he was hosting the nerd Melt open mic at mm. in the back of um oh gosh now it's been so long that i completely meltdown, forgot yeah. the meltdown, I oh my up, gosh I mix up meltdown <laughs> comics
0: nerd melt and the meltdown with jonah and Camille. but yeah
1: yeah there's so similar names and yeah. We we had met because he really loved saying my last name because my Uh maiden name is Seaman, and (laughs) it just is. It just I got it. It just that's what it is. And
0: like one who sails the seas. Yes. Okay. Yes,
1: that is correct because I don't (laughs) think anyone is that passive aggressive on Ellis Island. (laughs) Yes. But when you when you When you collect uh, comics, uh, and I don't mean comedians. I mean, of course, the comic books. Oh, Because that'd be a whole other, like, oh, Louis C.K., what the hell? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, good job, Jen, Female comic already been (laughs) named dropping Louis (laughs) C.K. five seconds in. (laughs) Woo! Anyway, Uh, uh, so you have a box there. mm -hmm. And, you know, with your name and all the comics that you collect. And I loved... Catching the clerks off guard and going up and being like, semen box, please. was <laughs> like, what? And then I have to repeat myself like semen box, please. <laughs> and then they would be like, yeah, you, you have one. I'm like, yeah, I do. And yeah. then <laughs> I was so my name was Jen Seaman. And mm. uh, Kyle loved announcing it because it was just so silly. Such a silly name. <laughs> And that was, you know, that was the most we really knew of each other, very surface Mm. level. And then we both were doing a show at the Ice House in Pasadena. Mm. And we knew that we were both booked on a show for Laura House, which she's Mm. amazing. If you aren't familiar with Laura House, just absolutely hilarious comedian, amazing writer. And the show was stacked like Dana Gould, uh, Mm. Lori Kilmartin all these great comedians and it was at the improv and we're both getting out of the show at the ice house very nervous Uh (laughs) like we meet up we're just like oh no we're gonna have to do a show with all these people we admire it's Mm. gonna be really scary we're both not talking each other up both like like we're about to have an exam just very nervous (laughs) kind (laughs) of like if
0: you if one says something to the other you're like shut up shut up (laughs)
1: Yeah. Like, don't. Oh, that could be, it could be a written, it could be verbal. Just, yeah. uh, <laughs> so we get there and we're trying to calm down and we're just chatting. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, something about horror comes up mm-hmm. and we did not know that this was a big thing. And for both of us and, mm-hmm. uh, cause I had seen him at the new Beverly cause I know his face and he's a very tall person. It's very mm-hmm. hard not to see him. And we are just chatting and like, oh my gosh, are we now? Like, it felt like that stepbrothers moment. Are we best friends now? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs>
1: I put him in my phone as Kyle Clark. He a person.
0: And <laughs> well, and for listeners, when they, when Jen says that she's into horror and when you hear this, uh, that Kyle Clark is into horror, I I thought I was, I thought I was into horror. And then listening to everything is scary has been really <laughs> like, a like a master class and you get to hear uh, they they have sort of been running it like a horror movie book club since the quarantine started uh, where they tell you the movie they're going to watch and talk about every week um, and often talk about the film uh, but I I like to listen for everything that they like to talk about on there and (laughs) they'll break down the movie and it's sort of become the joke that uh, some some of the movies if they both didn't like it uh, they will talk about it a little bit or talk about how much they don't like it it's sort of a mixed bag um, but they are very into horror I have learned a lot listening to that podcast
1: oh, thank you so much yeah we just I mean we both go to horror trivia at, when you're allowed to go in front of people without uh-huh. masks and it's just so many people in the horror community they work so hard you don't want to say disparaging or mean things about the horror movie because you're just Mm -hmm. like this is somebody's dream and yeah yeah, it'd be like watching somebody go up um and do a set and they bomb or they don't do a great job and you don't just go up to them go you suck you're the worst why do you even bother (laughs) Uh just why would you do that to someone and do you think do you think there's a
0: a sort of a special not special but there's an extra thing about it with horror where a lot of times it a lot of the really unique interesting ideas don't really get the the funding and the huge studio support behind them that's kind of like with anything but it seems like specific to horror where there is an accepted level of uh you can see the proof of concept but maybe they couldn't get everything together on this but you could see where it could go um yeah
1: yeah, for sure. Especially um, with practical effects. Yeah. Those are so expensive mm. and um, you really have to invest the time and the resources into that. Cause that's, you know, that's what's going to make your movie gold. Um, but I think you have such a blank canvas to go with horror movies and go anywhere. I mean, this year alone, we have a horror movie coming out where Nicolas Cage is going to be fighting animatronic Chuck E. Cheese demon monsters uh-huh. that's a movie it is made it is coming out this year
2: wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah I guess everything is on the table if you watch the movie society you would agree uh, <laughs> like, I don't know if that's you've seen Cronenberg, that movie right? uh no oh my gosh I'm so embarrassed I'm forgetting his name uh Cronenberg is a wonderful guest. Uh-huh. um
0: well, there, I, cause I've seen images, so it's like, I have not watched it. Uh, I have been told it's a one-time watch, uh, for, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a certain griminess is from the eighties, correct?
1: Right. It's Brian Usna and mm. yeah, it's, uh, it is the shunting scene yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so glistening and so <laughs> melty and.
0: yeah that kind of body horror with that 80s (laughs) grime and like cronenberg stuff i don't know if it was on twitter or on your show but people were talking about how they saw the fly way too early in life
1: oh yeah that would mess somebody up
0: yeah so there's a there's a childhood deep sort of trauma uncomfortableness that i associate with that kind of grime and those sort of practical effects and body horror of the 80s so yeah but oh, so we were talking about so you you met Kyle, <laughs> realized you're best friends. Then you us, are gonna start. When did you decide to start the horror podcast? Was it when you were going to horror horror trivia together? You said
1: yes. We had done a few. <coughs> pardon me. Um, we had done a few of the horror trivia, um, and I, I believe I had been on his podcast a few times at that point. Mm. Just like you know, what I like talking to you about this. Um, it could be really fun. Would you be interested and we went to Pinocchio's right across from where we do the horror trivia, had some some no and just sat it sat down I was like, OK, how are we going to do this mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like plan this out because um, just wanted to make it fun, you know, didn't want to uh, put too much thought into it, which I think is very apparent whenever anyone listens to me on the Mm -hmm. podcast there's not a lot of thought into what i'm saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's totally true but yeah i would say it's very casual and they're just like you hear people who are enthusiastic about liking this genre and they get to watch new movies together and talk about them so yeah uh, i would say everybody should definitely check out everything is scary i'm a weekly listener and then sometimes like this week i haven't been able to watch the movie yet and then it said there's spoilers so i'm gonna (laughs) had to figure out how oh, to watch yeah. it and then listen but um so you had when did you move to Los Angeles I, I'm kind of leading up because I'm interested in the fact that I've been talking to comics who come from very different places and now because sure. of zoom even if they live in different places uh, I can talk to them but most of them are in LA that I've talked to but you are in LA for a long time but you're from Seattle is that right or the Seattle That's area
1: right. yeah the Seattle area I grew up on a small uh, military town on Woodby Island. Went to school and decided to try uh, doing comedy at school, mm. uh, which didn't. Wait, it was, is,
0: sorry, is oh that yeah, no island? Is that the island I've heard of where there's um, people go to it? People drive. It's something about people can come from Canada because it has only like po boxes and people can pick up amazon stuff there have you ever heard of this no
1: (laughs) i figured it it felt like
0: i thought i had connected it to the military uh base or installation there so it i've just heard this something about it might have been on like this american life or something where there's a place where it has a ton of po boxes and that's just about it on the like place of the island where people live and it's near border with canada and then people before canada amazon was working the way it was people would drive down and that was the sole business of this island that's neither here nor there but you grew up in the seattle area
1: yeah because my the island i grew up on we're at least about an hour and an hour and a half away from um the border my mom's like right on the border Mm. there's a high school there in blaine which is the border town Uh and their mascot is the border rights it's the peace arch leading (laughs) leading to well you think to canada it's like your mascot is the peace arches like oh watch out we're gonna be super hippie on you like what are you gonna
2: yeah
1: i don't know but their colors are black and orange which i am was very jealous of as a kid oh yeah (laughs) it's like oh you guys just gonna be halloween but peaceful cool Mm. um yeah. So I went to school, uh, in Eastern Washington was doing a little bit of comedy there. Terrible. Like if anything ever surfaced, it's, it's just terrible. Like,
2: uh-huh. just,
1: cause I know Kyle's, uh, touched on it before on the podcast. Just when you're first starting out, you're just trying to like, you're trying so desperately to find punchlines and figure out what's working mm. and your material is just so bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, I eventually graduate. I go. I I arrive in Seattle doing an internship. I'm walking by. I see this place called Giggles, and it's uh-huh. a it's a comedy club. Yeah. And uh, now it's called Laughs. It's a completely different ownership. Um, <laughs> what. It, it, it changed
0: concepts very much. Oh, of,
1: <laughs> oh, now I'm so excited to tell you. Yeah. I'm excited to tell you about the legacy of, okay. So it was giggles like from mm. the eighties onward until the early two thousands. Then it was jiggles. Cause it became a, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It became a strip club. They were still trying to do comedy there. There's a poll. You see all of the booths for, um, for lap dances are pushed Uh against the side like you're you're up on stage with the pole you're like i'm trying so hard not to process all of this (laughs)
2: because
1: like like somebody's gotten a handy over there like you just know it and you're like i'm gonna talk about my dad (laughs) it's so awkward and then it was trying to be a comedy club again and then the folks um that had laughs in Kirkland, uh, they ended up moving over to, uh, to open up laughs there instead. Mm. And it's, um, right. Like maybe two or three doors down from the iconic scarecrow video.
0: Oh yeah. I've heard you talk about it. Yeah.
1: Oh, the scarecrow video. Oh my gosh. That's like, it's like a mansion of nothing but physical media. Mm. It's beautiful. I love this place so much. Um, it is like one of the reasons besides family that I would go, yeah, I could live back home in Seattle. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I started there at, at Jiggles, because I almost said Jiggles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very different.
0: Yeah. And um, They painted over one letter, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's
1: like, That'll do it. Everyone's on board now. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so I was performing. It was... Just a lot of only male comics hung out there is very mm-hmm. boys club. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who ran it was kind of like a Fagin, like Oliver's twist is like, no girls allowed attitude. I'm like, uh-huh. this is not going to go well at all. Uh-huh. And somebody shared with me, maybe you might want to go to the comedy underground, which equally as an uninviting of an area cuz it's downtown Seattle where everybody's like, you know, crackheads and stuff and I've actually seen people get into fights in front of it. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you go down the stairs, it's in a basement, but the owners are the managers there, the most accommodating, sweetest people in the world, so nice and very very funny. Mm. Um when I started, I was performing with like Solomon Giorgio, oh, wow. Daniel Radford, hmm. um, these are the people that I was coming up with, mm-hmm. which immediately when you see Solomon Giorgio perform, you're like, okay, this guy doesn't even have bad sets. This isn't yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: uh-huh.
1: And then uh, because we're very close to like the Stranger in Seattle Weekly, I worked at the mm. Seattle Weekly during the day and the Stranger folks would come. So we had Lindy West there too. and um Derek Sheen and all these awesome comics and you just learn so much and I was always so embarrassed because I was so dirty when I first started because I'm going off of my last name being Seaman so it's just easy
0: have to address it yeah
1: yeah it's easy somebody had called me a hack my first year that person no longer performs anymore (laughs) (laughs) I I actually was so upset and in tears. I had just been hosting at another comedy club that no longer exists for uh, Josh Wolf, and um, he had called me up. He was like, "Don't quit." I'm uh-huh. like, "I won't." And Derek Sheen, who's an awesome, so such a funny comic. I know we've had him on the show before, and he um, he had me go. Or oh, no, no. Sorry. He, his wife, who's like a badass, had the guy over who called me a hack and like <laughs> had him over for dinner. It was like, I heard you made Jen Seaman cry. <laughs> <laughs> so I never got harassed again after that. Um, but yeah, you got to find, got to find your peoples. And, mm. um, I felt like I found a lot of really great, awesome folks early and, mm-hmm. Just kept trying to figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't. I have way too were much you, material for were my Were you touring family. then?
0: Were you touring then uh, um, or doing, like, kind of multiple nighters or?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing stuff with, like, Kermit Apio, who um, he's a regular opener for Brian Regan. He won <laughs> Star Search. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah. uh, for when folks remember, and he's just the he is the funniest and the nicest comedian ever mm. just out of all of the Pacific Northwest, you say Kermit a and, and people are just like, Oh, that guy's the best. And he's so great that he actually officiated my husband and my wedding. Mm.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's
1: how much we love him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he would take me with him on the road. And I really learned from him like, Oh, I could be clean and I could have just as effective material mm-hmm. and I mean not to say anything disparaging against anyone who works dirty or blue. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's totally fine. Um, sometimes I like to cross over and do some things. but most of the time, I think because I would play these very borderline like, is this what's going on here? Uh, mm-hmm. crazy shows for my mom because I also host a burlesque for a year. so oh, okay. <laughs> so it gets real blue when you're hosting burlesque and you're yeah. trying to get guys not to ask to see what you got underneath your shirt. <laughs> so um yeah, uh I think a lot of my earlier uh material felt very shock jockey. Mm. And I felt a lot more confident and comfortable after um I just started <clears throat> so sorry, mm. started to be more myself. Um And I think it's I think it's a lot more difficult too to work cleaner because I mean you could trickle in curse words and stuff like that and it's Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna get a laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Again, not saying anything negative if you do it because there are some some of my favorite comics are freaking dirty as hell. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Did you? Um. I'm kind of just wondering about you've kind of uh, mapped out a kind of community of the Pacific Northwest comedy scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like anything is unique to that scene as you've seen other places? Like you moved down to LA. Is there something about uh, the people or the, the geography, the history of what's going on up there that kind of flavors the comedy different than other regions?
1: Um, that's a great question. Um, I would say that... The audiences of the Northwest are very smart. Mm. Like we are in Seattle, which is one of the most um, literate cities. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing political jokes, like I know Brett Hamill uh, is a is kind of the premier um, political comedian who I came up with. And he. Um, he's still based in Seattle and's done a great job. Like it's really it's really weird to see the people you came up with get mm. such a following. Mm-hmm. Um when you're in front of a club and somebody's like, Well, who's who's performing? And they're like, Oh my gosh, they got Brett Hamill. It's like, yeah, it's Brett. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, you are like really, really excited. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh it makes you feel really good to see your friends like killing it. Um mm-hmm. also. Like, it's just a real hipster vibe, too. So you can be kind of weird and quirky because you're close to Portland as well. Uh-huh. Like Emmett Montgomery. Oh, my gosh. That guy is amazing. He's originally from um, Salt Lake City. And mm. he's he looks like an old shanty, like... Yes! There are there are some uh, photo shoots where he is very much leading into that. Yeah. And, He has a show called Weird and Awesome, where you're able Mm. to do uh, kind of some vaudeville type uh, material along with comedy. Mm -hmm. And then again, with Scarecrow videos, some of the clerks there like uh, Travis and Kevin, they um, they actually created short films to the point where those films would be um, edited together to make full length feature films Uh uh, with casting only the comedians. So there's hmm. a movie called Steel of Fire Warriors, which is uh-huh. trying to lean into like 80s action, futuristic movies. Mm. And it's got like Solomon Giorgio, Andy Haynes, Andy huh. Peters, myself, um, Owen Straw, Derek Sheen, all these uh, Reggie Watts. It's got so many uh-huh. awesome comics and they were just putting it as a serial between the comedians at their monthly show. Mm. Um So I think in the early to early mid 2000s, you know, they were just really focusing on the alt comedy and Mm -hmm. just um, if you weren't getting into the clubs, they were just making it happen.
0: One of the things I was kind of curious to talk about this, like Pacific Northwest and Seattle is like, what's it like? What's it like to be from a cool place? Or it, <laughs> do you, are you aware of it?
2: Because a lot of a lot
0: of people I've talked to and just not just about on this podcast and about comedy, but just meeting people in L.A., a lot of transplants. It's sort of this. Uh, there was a like kind of big fish in small pond, not like disparaging, but just kind of like you thought that where people, where you lived, there was not enough for you there. You had to go somewhere bigger, but I, cause I come from like a very small rural town in Wisconsin. other people I've talked to it's all this draw to big cities but then like Portland is like uh the prime example of like oh it's a really cool place and it's sort of a like a mecca to go there uh Seattle sort of also in that conversation what was did you have that kind of sense drawing you to like I want to do this to move move out and do big things or is like that not really there for you like as I said when you grow up in a cool place
1: Right. And I, I didn't grow up in Seattle um, itself. I grew up in a pretty small town where oh, right, like, the island. we were. Yeah, we weren't. My mom was like, don't you leave this island? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'll know. So uh, my husband, who did grow up in Seattle, was going to all the rock shows and everything that I could only dream of. Mm. Um, I was just like, I'm going to go to the Knights of Columbus Hall again to see just the bands that live on this island. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was really my childhood growing up. Yeah. Uh, but when I eventually did move to Seattle, which I thought I would never do because it was just so like monolithic, it was huge to me, um, mm-hmm. coming yeah. from a town where like, you know, so many people and there's only one high school to like, Oh, sh- Oh, okay. So wait how just, big
0: was the class? How big was your graduating class?
1: Oh gosh. Maybe, maybe like 200 kids maybe, Okay. which is it's- still pretty big, but it's a military town. So yeah.
0: It's sort of like an artificially large population for the school. Maybe it's like a lot of people yeah. have to live there to work there. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It's almost like a college community where he's like, well, <clears throat> this is, this is the, the factory town and the factory is, uh, death.
2: Yeah. Like just, <laughs> 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 like, yeah. <laughs> ooh,
1: never uh-huh. thought of it that way, but, oh, damn. <laughs> like, Went real bowling for Columbine
0: here. Did you, um, this might get into the questions I I ask everybody on this show, but the first question I ask everyone is, what's your earliest memory of liking stand-up? And I wonder kind of additionally how maybe growing up in that military base environment might have influenced that or not. But I always ask everybody, what's your earliest memory of liking stand-up?
1: Sure. So, pardon me. Um, I remember seeing... I remember seeing there's so many, like I would just kind of sit and watch all of it's not stand up. I would watch Mm. all the old SNL Um, and I was in the Seattle area. So we also got almost live, which I Mm. don't think a lot of people know what that is. It was the show that was local leading up to SNL Mm. and it's where everyone discovered Bill Nye and Joe McHale and Mm. they were all doing sketches like Everybody sees Bill Nye and they're like, the science guy. And I'm like, no, that's Speedwalker. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had a whole sketch where he would just go heel, toe, heel, toe. And he would mm. walk really funny. Um, and the, the biggest star for all of us was John Keister, uh, mm. who was the host of that show. Um, but I would watch that and Kids in the Hall. And those were really the shows that... Um, created a base for me for comedy Mm -hmm. and then uh comedy central was getting so big in the 90s and you get to see all these different specials and I got to see like Brian Regan Mm -hmm. Elvira Kurt Margaret Cho um to the point where (laughs) like I would be driving with my friends and all of my friends were in the closet. I don't know why we're just, all of us were just like, we're in a very military conservative town, but we would just sit there on the drive to school quoting mm. only Margaret Cho.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> the whole drive there. It was like TLC's playing and Margaret Cho, that's it. <laughs> that is what we were doing.
2: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. um, and it just, it, it made me excited cause I just wanted to, I just really wanted to be a part of it. Um, with all those sketch shows, you don't see a, you don't see too many women who are kind of in the forefront.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they're kind of bit characters. They're playing the moms or they're playing the girlfriends. But when you see somebody like Margaret Cho and Janine you're like, oh, sh- oh, oh, I can mm-hmm. do. Yeah, OK. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's really exciting to be like, oh, I can I can do this. And I think mm-hmm. um, that was that was kind of a breaking point for me. Um, And even before that, in seventh grade, when All American Girl came out, I was religiously watching that show, which Mm. was the first, which was the show uh, that Margaret Cho had. And it was Mm -hmm. her sitcom.
0: Yeah, it seemed very very momentous uh to talk about that and then later when you had like fresh off the boat people were talking about oh this is very huge this is like good for representation for asian americans but then Mm -hmm. the conversation was already like but don't forget about there was all american girl long before that yeah
1: yeah um and i love how deeply honest margaret cho is all Mm. the time like the fact that she uh she mentions in one of her books and her stand-up that she had to She was asked to lose weight. And Hmm. then when they canceled her show, they gave that whole set to Drew Carey. It's like, wait a minute.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Love Drew Carey show. I hate (laughs) the double standard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Nothing against Drew Carey. Obviously he Mm. could not control that, but just that double standard was like, Oh my (laughs) God, this system is broken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The system is broken so hard. Mm. Um, But yes, and uh, Kermit, the guy who, um, my mentor, he had come up with Margaret Cho. Like they had this, I think they had the same uh, representation at the time. And she's like, oh my gosh, tell me everything you know. Because he had so many stories too. Because Mitch Hedberg is from the Seattle area. So everybody Mm. you go on on tour with because it's a real mentorship type profession. Mm -hmm. And you learn from the headliners. And you just hear all these stories about like Mitch Hedberg or um, Tom Rhodes or just so many amazing comics and ones that are you know just starting to break. And mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. I That I think was my favorite part is just hearing the stories. Cause it's just yeah. like an oral history of what mm-hmm. not everybody knows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you hit the golden word for me because like I'm a historian uh, by that's my real job and then uh, doing this as a hobby. But just, uh, yeah, oral history. I love talking about because stand up comedians are sort of oral historians uh, of their local area. And then they're kind of having to travel around like troubadours and kind of telling it to other people. Love it. I ask people, what is the best place to see stand-up for you? And that could either mean, do you th- can you think of a specific locale or recurring show that was like your best <coughs> place to see stand-up? Or is it a setting, like the type of show, alt space, like mm-hmm. a black box theater or a large theater, bookstore?
1: Yeah, yeah I think um, I know Todd Glass talked about it once, I think maybe in the Bridgetown documentary. Um, but yeah, I think a black box theater
0: mm. is
1: a really great one. Um,
0: Wait, what's the Bridgetown documentary? I feel like I need to see this.
1: So, um, in Portland, they had a big festival. It was yeah. very prestigious, Bridgetown, and they made a documentary about it. Mm. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if when he talks about the the black box theater, if that's in that. Um, oh, I think it's the I am comic. I think mm. he talks about it in that. Uh, documentary but um just having the most limited way for anyone to be distracted as possible mm-hmm. especially now because when i first started comedy um our cell phones were not this established oh, <laughs> they yeah. were not, apps didn't exist um
2: uh-huh
1: like i just seen didn't have that youtube or anything like that like this was all very new flip phones were still kind of the thing mm-hmm. um totally aging myself but that's fine i'm about to be a mom who cares um yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah i i the comedy club that i my home club um which is the comedy underground like you have the bar in the back if somebody drops glasses and stuff it's gonna it's gonna mess with the night a little bit yeah. <laughs> And the check dropping and everything oh mm. um so not the my favorite part but the black box theater just your eyes are ahead it's like a movie theater just Mm -hmm. boom okay um and the worst like being
0: in the like a black box theater like ucb franklin this would happen where Hmm. uh, you know you're not in a bar but then suddenly in the middle of a set you hear a bottle drop and you're like (laughs) (laughs) but it's very apparent it's almost worse than it happening in the bar
1: Mm. I would I would say the worst place to see comedy mm. is New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Just anytime New Year's Eve, unless it was the Zoom shows, the Zoom shows I did for New Year's Eve, So like the best yeah. New Year's Eve shows I've ever done because you did like,
0: it, you you were hosting or you were on yeah. the show or if it was it Mike Berbiglia was the New Year's Eve show?
1: Yeah, I did two shows. I did one with Mike Brabiglia and Pete Holmes and oh wow they don't know this, but Pete Holmes made me laugh so much. I threw up. <laughs> like, he doesn't know. Cause I'm pregnant. Like I'm yeah. six months pregnant and I was just laughing and laughing. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> <coughs> which is why I keep coughing. Oh, um,
0: totally fine. You're doing a lot. <laughs> pandemic, creating a human. You can cough.
1: <laughs> so I did that show and then, um it's so nice also because it's like oh i don't have to be on the road i don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about drunk drivers on new year's eve or Mm -hmm. any creeps or anything like that um because i have like i did an all-female show which you feel is going to be the safest show you do Mm -hmm. and it's a black box theater in seattle and i love it Mm -hmm. called the rendezvous and i was walking i was on the phone with my uh then boyfriend now husband and then somebody chased me to my car. Oh. Like, it just like, oh, no, this is a ladies show. This isn't supposed to happen. Like, this mm-hmm. is the safe, the safe spot. I'm like, I'm not even like, I'm not even in an alleyway or anything. I'm like on the sidewalk getting chased. I'm like, where is everybody? Why isn't anybody seeing this? And my, mm-hmm. my husband's just like, run! And I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm okay, obviously. But yeah, uh, yeah, so... New Year's Eve, the second show was for Greg Proops, Ben Glebe, and he had two comedians that I got really, really excited about because Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. And I was like, wow. please don't gush. <laughs> <laughs> like just telling myself so much, don't gush. And mm-hmm. then uh Ryan Styles from Who's Lied and Drew Carey. Who's from uh, Bellingham, Washington, where most of my family is? Mm. And he's like our biggest celebrity there. And he created the upright or the upstage, which is a comedy club slash theater slash improv studio Mm. in in that area. My little brother has taken classes there.
0: Mm. Um, How's that been? Sorry. How's that been hosting the nowhere comedy club shows? Cause I mean, I've been asking everybody this it's there's, there's a couple of things everybody's saying about what's good and bad about zoom shows, but I'm just curious about your experience of doing yeah. that and with, with really big names like that too. It may be a little yeah. different than everyone trying to do their little zoom show that you're, you got probably huge audiences. So
1: yeah. Um, like looking at how many people were at Mike Birbiglia's show and realizing that you could get like about a thousand people on that. Mm. Um, it was a little intimidating at first, Uh Uh, like, Oh, okay. So I'm in my living room, but technically I'm at the Paramount theater.
0: Theater. (laughs) I'm doing a theater, but I can't see anyone and I can't hear them.
1: So it's like a little, it's a little odd. Um, but the fact that right now that I am so pregnant and I have the ability to sit down Mm -hmm. oh yeah um, I can rush to the bathroom I don't have to worry about nothing Mm -hmm. Um, that has made all of this so much better and getting to work with such great comedians um, and seeing so many comics too who want to work more with women and people of color and that's been really like a huge eye opener because I've like I've been doing this for 14 years and you kind of always have to wait and wait and wait and wait and so many comics are like no 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 like I really want to work with uh more diverse comedians not that i'm you know particularly diverse but it feels mm. really good when they're like i want to work with more women i'm like yay and it's yeah. not because you want to sleep with us because we're on zoom because oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 before very true yeah. uh like maybe 10 years ago you'd be like why why do you want to work?" <laughs> <laughs> i'm just real scared here why are you seeking us out <laughs> yeah <laughs> But now it's like, oh, because you're awesome. And Mm -hmm. uh, getting to work with a lot of my heroes on these shows. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's been really fun. And working in that space, Mm -hmm. I think, because I have a lot of visuals with my face. Mm. um, And I feel like that gets kind of muddied. You don't get to see facial expressions if you're like seven rows back as much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But everybody now is in the front row. Yeah. (laughs) So um, that's made it really fun. uh, Mm. Because there's really, um, there's outside of what them looking at their phone or looking at Amazon or whatever. Mm -hmm. There really isn't a barrier to your comedy. It's like you're talking straight to them. Have
0: the the shows you've been doing have kind of designated people with their audio on like some shows or they kind of, uh, yeah. Have you been doing that with sort of designated, it sounds weird or bad to say like designated laugher, but you just have some people that are there so people can hear a a response.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, for some of these shows, if there's too many people, they might only let a hundred people have the audio. Um, that way. Uh,
0: Still a lot though. Yeah. That's yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But (laughs) um not everybody is an audible laugher uh some people yep. like even even kyle when we're doing the podcast he'll do one of his laughs and I'm like that is a silent laugh yeah <laughs> like i can see you he's just like, uh, uh,
2: <laughs> like yeah.
1: that, i'm pausing for your laughter but no one can hear it so mm-hmm. <laughs> now we have dead air and i look weird um <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, there's definitely certain folks that um, and it's not like, oh, we know that person's going to laugh really well or something like that. It's just, I think, first come, first serve type situation. Mm -hmm. And then if they have a lot of feedback, maybe they get muted. Um, Because I've had some weird heckles. Like, I've been heckled by dogs on these Zoom shows. (laughs) Um, One person, I think it was New Year's Eve, uh, they accidentally heckled Ben Glebe because they were just like, they were just asking like, do I have to, do I have to plug this in or what do I plug in? I don't think it's working. And they're clearly oh, yeah. not trying to be rude. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've had rude hecklers. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Um, cause sometimes I, I find when you have libations and people are getting a little drunk, there's yeah. certain, there's certain men who don't like it when a woman is speaking. Oh. And, um,
0: Mm. i kind of i asked because if you had people that you could see or even hear because i teach um so that's only different uh audiences of 25 people but when i try to encourage that they all have their screen on or their video on if they can so we feel less like a sort of apocalyptic i can feel less like i'm teaching into a void But they, (laughs) but like you said, I can easily see when they their eyes have gone to like something else or like so I that for me, it's like whatever, because I'm teaching about it's I mean, it's history. So it's very it can be dry. I understand. And it's very detailed. So like you're competing with everything we've been programmed with to look at other things and screens and lights. So but then for a performer, it's like I imagine you just have to like not look at anyone, like don't put it on gallery view and just stick to what you're going to do.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I have to only see, I, I try to just see myself so that if I'm doing a facial expression, I know, like, am I even in frame? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. that suck? It's like, Oh Jen, they're only seeing your elbow. Hmm. Yeah. Is it a funny elbow? Like, just uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I ask uh, as a performer, what type of show or location feels like an away game and what kind of environment feels like a home game?
1: Well, I definitely, I definitely would say like, that's, that's just a fun way to put it. Um, my home club, the Seattle Comedy Underground definitely feels like, uh, like a home game. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say anything that's outside of the West coast feels like an away game. (laughs) <laughs> like, like when I went to Austin, Texas, even though that's a very liberal and hipster area, yeah. it was still like I was in the Velveeta room and the whole the whole road is blocked off because people mm. are drinking. So you're like, all right, this is gonna be a little different. Mm-hmm. This audience is gonna be real loose, and I gotta. I've be- never
0: been, but I always hear people mention the Velveeta room, and I'm like, cheese. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but yeah. So Austin, even if, if that's strange, not strange. It is interesting to me if you feel a little bit different in Austin, even because everyone says that's like the the Portland of Texas or the the Madison of Texas or whatever you would say.
1: Yeah, I think just because um, because people were drinking a little bit heavily, um, and then when I go to the East Coast, it's a little different. Or mm. even like even going to small towns, like really small towns, um, where I get a well. I think we're at a situation now where, like, if I make jokes about Trump, I'm not going to get any <laughs> cross eyes or anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there was a moment where like I would do my jokes. I'm like, no, I'm doing these jokes. These yeah. are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do them in a small town. You're like, are they gonna, am I going to get like two Wednesdays ago? Like what's going to happen yeah. here? <laughs> like, just, um,
0: yeah, are, but, uh, have you, I'm just vicariously curious. Cause I'm from the Midwest. Did you get up to the Midwest at all or, or not so much?
1: not so much um no unfortunately mm. uh, my best friend she's a comic and she's from that area mm. um i just had it had an opportunity i haven't applied to as many festivals mm. and i try to stay kind of home base more
0: uh-huh right uh have you ever seen a good representation of stand-up in a kind of fictional or representation of it where you're like that's they seem to have nailed what it feels like as a performer.
1: Oh, that's a good question
0: <laughs> i also understand people like i think uh people have different ideas like uh that's it's your creative thing but it's also work and there's like some people i've talked to who are like i don't watch stand-up i don't want to see it when i'm not working on it myself or right. or some people are drawn to it they're just kind of like they like seeing how someone is trying to represent what they do uh in a, in a form but
1: right um- I'm kind of drawing a blank because I've watched certain shows mm. about stand up, and it's like it's like the episode cram like five years of stand up into one episode. Oh, yeah. Like, and now I'm a headliner. It's like, Wait, yeah. no, <laughs> 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 like that's uh-huh. not <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're Solomon Giorgio, then yes, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's just he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I can't say enough good things about him. Check out his album. Uh he's <laughs> he's great. Um and Daniel Radford, both of them are just Mwah, chef's kiss. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh but I'm I'm embarrassed that I can't uh I can't really name something specific off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, I'm that.
0: working out I'm workshopping that question. It's seen people I have, people don't often have an answer to it, so I may cut it out. Um,
1: yeah, I think because it gets romanticized, uh, yeah. and like, like you watch certain movies, and they try to nail it, and then my heart always sinks because I'm like, oh no, this means that the next time I go to an open mic, twenty people are gonna think it's that easy because I just saw this movie,
2: oh, and they're just yeah. gonna
1: be like, no, I'm going to do it, like every New Year's, every New Year's, like right after, like the first day. You try to oh. sign up, and you're like the line just quadrupled because mm. everyone's like, my New Year's resolution is to start comedy. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even thought about that aspect. It's like gyms are full, maybe also open mics. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's true. Like now is the time I do this. It's like mm. what? Why? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was? Do you remember the last uh, set? You did before the pandemic?
1: Oh gosh. Um, I am embarrassed that I'm drawing a blank on when that was.
0: Well, uh, it would be. I have like a weird way that I broke it up into a timeline because I was coming back to the US when it was all going down. So, um, March, around the first week of March, is when the. When Los Angeles had lockdown orders,
1: right, right, yeah, because it was it was literally <laughs> it was the, like my husband and I were planning having a bunch of people over because mm-hmm. we were doing a horror thing for my birthday, uh-huh. and I was gonna bake and cook and everything. I was like, maybe we don't do this right now.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible idea. Um, mm-hmm. I unfortunately I can't remember my last live show, so it must have been really good. Plus, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Unless> it did <laughs> amazingly well. That it's just registered there so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've done so many Zoom shows since then that unfortunately it just doesn't.
0: Mm. It's
1: not. Uh, it's not standing out.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh, sorry. What is so? I start with a bad one to okay. then get to a good one. But what is your worst stand-up related memory? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so <laughs> oh so there is a very small town outside of seattle <laughs> that we have to take a ferry to me and at the time he's a portland comic now he's an la comic dax jordan he works mm. a lot at the at the improv awesome guy and we we have to go and this show is in the middle of like it's not a Build-A-Bear workshop. It's an <laughs> off-brand build-a-bear oh. workshop. Oh. And where this woman ha- like has wedding dresses in the back and all these giant dresses because she dresses it's called Kelby's world. And oh. she dresses.
0: Wait, is her name Kelby?
1: Oh, you know it. Oh, you <laughs> know it's her world, and we're just living in it. And- <laughs> she's got all these big dresses like she's what's that gal's name mrs haversham or whatever for great <laughs> expectations like she's maybe approaching like 65 which you know mm. no, not to be ageist or anything but like maybe not the wedding dresses like with, yeah yeah <laughs> because you're gonna have a tea party but um mm-hmm. uh, she's like i used to be a mime and i opened for gallagher in vegas like cool okay <laughs> Um, I do want to
0: hear those stories, but yeah.
1: (laughs) So we're we're backstage, which is also like a makeup area. Mm. The people for this show are all busted from the old folks home.
0: Oh, hell yeah.
1: (laughs) So that's all we have. And I'm pulled aside and told not to make any jokes or references to my last name being semen so oh. i'm not even introduced by my full name i'm introduced like madonna like i'm just <laughs> jen <laughs>
2: like,
1: uh-huh. oh no and at the time i was dating a comedian who's no longer doing comedy so i think that's okay uh-huh. and uh she's he was like uh is this where bears are bored he's oh no 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 sorry she's He's like, is this where you create bears? And she's like, this is where bears are born. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And there's all these murals of unicorns. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like, Uh, my buddy Yogi Paliwal, who's a great comic from Seattle, now lives in New York. He had done a set there before, like uh, about the week before. And I guess he'd done some dirty material. So she was like on edge. Like, don't mm. you talk about your last name, don't do this. I'm like, okay. I'm not, I, I was gonna, but now I don't even know what to talk about. Cause now yeah. I'm just like, oh, I can't even say that. Um, I can't even be introduced. <laughs> like mm-hmm. so that was uh that was probably the weirdest. Mm. Uh, it's a, sh- it is a show that even when I see Dax now and it's been like 11 years, I still bring it up. It's just like, that was so weird. I don't uh-huh. even,
0: but how did the sets go?
1: The sets were awkward because nobody was like really paying attention. Yeah. Like there might've been seven people there that were bused from the old folks home mm. that were just very like, again, not trying to be ages. They were just very sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> You know, when you are being told all these censored things that you cannot talk about, be, not before the show, but like moments before you get on stage mm, and you're a that's brand all new you comic. That's you can think
0: about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It just was very stifling and not as fun. And I was like, well, how I like it off too. Here?
0: There's a phenomenon where I don't remember what it's called, but when. It's the thing where people are driving, and then someone walks into the road, and it's you have all this space around them, but you suddenly see them, and then focus on them, and you and that's why a lot of people get hit. It's like the car gets subconsciously turned towards them uh, because that's the thing that you just saw appear. So it's probably definitely not helpful in a a very uh, calculated word-specific kind of profession where suddenly you go like you might think of ways to connect these things but don't use any of these words and you're like wait which words and then then get on the stage yeah Mm -hmm.
1: like you might as well just say don't use the word the or and like
0: (laughs) (laughs) but what was the best stand-up related memory you have
1: um the best stand-up related memory um hmm uh oh, this is gonna sound weird. So, although it didn't air, I did do America's Got Talent. Oh, nice! And it was the same year that Melissa Villasenor Senor was. Wow, yeah. On it, um, mm-hmm. which I know because my mother continuously reminds me about that. <laughs> <laughs> and she's lovely, and I've had her over at the house before, and she's yeah. wonderful. But it was just like, like, well, you know, Melissa, I'm like, why is this your thing? Uh
2: um,
1: So it's Piers Morgan, uh, Sharon Osbourne, and and
0: Simon Cowell on at that point?
1: No, no. Howie Mandel. So you have Canadian, British, British. America's got talent. (laughs) So um i'm nervous because it well first off it's the paramount theater in seattle and there's 1500 people Mm -hmm. i'm only three years into comedy if that so i'm really really new and very green and i get up there it's been at least 90 minutes so people are getting real tired Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to try to do comedy. There's big X's. The person before me just got X'd. I'm, I'm asking the host, like, oh, are they gonna have a palate cleanser? Are they gonna do something? No, you're just, you're going out. Like, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So I go out there and I just start yelling, like, "How's it going, America?" <laughs> I just start screaming it until I get everybody to cheer. Uh So I'm like, let's try it. (laughs) Until everyone's like, yeah, we're America, (laughs) which now seems terrifying to do.
0: Um, It's one small step away from a USA chant. (laughs) Right, it's too (laughs)
1: close. And I do a good set. I I have a standing ovation, which I'm Mm. really excited about my first ever. And then... Piers Morgan is like uh is trying to say something to me and he's like well as you can tell nobody is laughing now nobody's saying anything now and I cut him off and I say yeah because in America we're polite and we don't interrupt and then then another standing ovation because I was rude to Piers Morgan
0: Uh uh-huh
1: so that that was
0: funnier now that he's like i think he's like a real like conservative asshole uh yeah yeah
1: Yeah, i would love that footage so much i would love it Mm. um because it's it's like it's just my friends and my own memory and whoever was there um but i got off stage and i immediately ran jumped into my friend's arms and she fell backwards Uh (laughs) because i was just so excited um Mm -hmm. Yeah, where, so they don't a provide you time. with
0: that. Like, where does that live? I, I had uh, no Andy idea Erickson on here, and she has a similar where she was on America's Got Talent, but that didn't air. So, yeah. I think that happens to a lot of the comics who are on it. So, yeah. I just like, where where does it live? And I guess they own it, and you can't touch it, but yeah. you have the memory, though. So, that's good.
1: Yeah, and they, the, the, um, the contract to that thing is it's not just in the US, it's in the universe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, holy crap, okay. Mm. (laughs) Even if I'm in Mars, I'm still legally bound to this? All right.
0: (laughs) I think we'll uh, transition to talking about I asked people to tell me a comic or a special that inspired them. It could be somebody uh, very recent or uh, from later in the past or earlier in the past. And <laughs> I uh, was very pleased when Jen offered up uh, Elvira Kurt, who I had seen on Comedy Central. We were trying to figure it out off mic where I had seen her and then YouTube was not as uh prolific as I thought I could find the specific thing of the special I'm remembering but I then when I listened to uh, the CD but on Spotify I remembered some of the bits and I remember watching this with my sister so it was a very nice uh, kind of memory and kind of a point where I realized I think it might have been one of the first times I heard uh, a queer woman talking about being queer Uh, as a, as a a young kid, I remember hearing this and kind of being like, I'm not exactly sure what all this is about, but I think it was an important sort of introduction to have uh, to some of those concepts. But how is Elvira Kurt sort of lived on and important for you in your, uh, when I ask you like, what's something that inspires you?
1: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, being able to see again, representation is so important. Mm -hmm. And um, being young and on a very conservative military area where all mm. my friends were closeted, and even I was like, "Well, I know I like girls, I know I like guys, and I can't say anything about this." And then you get to see um, this representation and somebody being funny and coming up with the term "fella girly" and. Uh-huh. Like oh, joking. I should mention I
0: didn't say the name of the uh, album is kitten with a wit and that's on mm-hmm. Spotify and YouTube and uh you should listen to it and you can find it but yes
1: yeah no she's uh she's absolutely fantastic um getting to experience that kind of stand-up and that kind of representation and seeing somebody talk about their family in that kind of way mm. uh it, and she's pretty clean too um mm-hmm. And that just made me think, okay, there's this way I could do my standup or I could try to do this. Mm-hmm. And she's got a very similar voice to what I have. And I think that might just be because I love her so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, her name is written on the comedy store, which um, mm-hmm. is such a big thing for comedians. And mm-hmm. I know exactly where it is. And I'm very short. I always want to give it a high five, Uh (laughs) but I'd have to run and jump. And I Uh think I've only done that twice. Um, (laughs) But yeah, she's just, to me, she's such a huge deal. And I Mm. get really sad that not a lot of people know about her. And I've done shows in Toronto with people who are very familiar with her or who have worked with her and, they're just like, oh yeah, Ira's fine. And I'm like, you know her? Like, just like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, you might as well be in high school. And somebody just told me that they were dating the prom queen. And I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that level of esteem. Mm. Um, even when I was in college and I was trying to figure out how to do this, uh, I had a speech class and I used some of her material, mm. um, which is of course in comedy, like it don't use somebody's material. Yeah. But it was a mandatory assignment to take somebody's speech and everybody else was doing historical figures and things, and I'm like, No, I'm doing the playground bit uh-huh. <laughs> from Elvira Kurt. Um I was I, thinking
0: as I listened to the special or rather the album, it's just it seemed like it's packing so much in very quickly. Mm-hmm. Very I imagine it's almost word perfect. You don't hear a lot of um improvisation or right. it, it doesn't feel as conversational as like uh 2010's kind of comedy feels it's from 1999 I believe mm-hmm. uh and then so starting with very like you said clean material it's a lot about like kids a lot of it's about uh kids are uh used to be a lot less safe there's a lot of stuff it's really it's hilarious about playgrounds and things like that but then there's this shift suddenly to then talk about being queer which in 1999 was there had been some precedent she kind of talks about Ellen and things but still probably very uh, not seen as much and then the thing that blows my mind and it's such a, a time capsule and thing to not even time capsule. this still happens all the time obviously but to leave in the special even when she's talking about being a queer woman and a recording of an album a straight man is like, oh, like heckles her and is like, uh, you like you would be you would be attracted to me is basically basically what he's trying to say, and that to leave that in the album is very interesting and it's just like damn like that just tells you the struggle people have when they can't even record their album with someone heckling oh, in yeah. that very uh, uh, homophobic way.
1: Yeah, and I think you also you do a great job of explaining the way that her. Her material is different than like an alt comic which i i hung out with so many alt comics where mm-hmm. you know they might have a really long story that has peppered in a few jokes and then a huge punchline, like a really big like 20 minutes later like this is what it all led up to mm-hmm. um and that's not how i do my jokes i mm-hmm. have like it's just boom boom boom. like how many how many beats per minute almost uh-huh. can i get for laughter and i feel like that's very similar to how she um how her um how her jokes are structured as well and then i usually have something that is either a uh, political or a social issue or something like that also that's melded in there too and um i think before this show i hadn't really thought that much about it mm. and like oh gosh <laughs> it's it stems so far back uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, seeing those building blocks uh because yeah i loved her i loved uh brian regan um who's you know doesn't really talk too much about um social issues or anything like that but he also just boom 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 yeah um and pablo francisco just boom ba, 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 boom just like to- like just constant um laughs in there and I think that becomes almost like a game for me mm-hmm. of like, where can like, I don't want to, I want to keep that ball in the air as of laughter as as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's, for me, there's nothing worse than waiting for that punchline, uh-huh. <laughs> like waiting and like, Oh, do they, do I still have them? Let's find out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you, uh, reminded me of that album and kind of brought that back to my uh brought up that memory for me and then now hearing uh, i think this is a very interesting artifact to put in the very recent uh history of stand-up comedy and then uh that i would like to explore more looking at there's an interesting moment of kind of late 90s uh that i think is talked about in that especially talk about the turn of she talks about the turn of the millennium uh and the internet being sort of new and yeah there's a lot of great things in there for late 90s uh nostalgia but also looking at how comedy was different at that time as well uh so that's elvira kurtz kitten with a wit Mm -hmm. um jen is there anything you want to plug before i sadly let you go
1: (laughs) (laughs) um well i would love to know um i would love to know a little bit about or maybe I don't know if you've mentioned this before, but I'm super curious like why like you want to do a podcast like this mm-hmm. and what got you excited about comedy.
0: Yeah. Um no one's asked me before, Jen. That's very what? nice of you. <laughs>
1: what?
0: <laughs> and people, Come on, I, guys. <laughs> I've talked to people <laughs> off mic. I think I when Kyle was on, I think I talked a lot about it after when I, I did his podcast, This Is Rad, and I talked to him about it. But mm-hmm. so in 2019 I had I So I went on a Fulbright Fellowship uh, to Korea and I was there for nine months and then came back right as the pandemic kicked off uh, in China and then made its way to Korea. Then I had sort of had to come here and then, you know, the rest of the story, we're here with that. But in 2019, I was like missing stand-up comedy, seeing it so much, realizing I had watched so much of it in my life in LA. And... I was just sort of had this feeling like i think i need to do a podcast and i think i'll do it about this and was planning it for months and never told anyone didn't even tell my wife and then i, I didn't set it out loud into the universe and then uh around about new years because i was one of those people of like i'm gonna do this thing in the new year with a <laughs> uh in 2020 yeah. i was like i'm gonna start the podcast i started planning what i would call it and i wanted it to be generally about um i like I realized I like listening to comics talk about being a comic Um, and I like their comedy when I see it live and I just love all of the inside baseball on podcasts when you hear people are talking about how they constructed a joke or what kind of material they're trying to do and things like that and then they say something like that's too much inside baseball nobody wants to hear this I was like no I want to hear that. (laughs) And there are other places I've drawn inspiration from like uh, Pete Holmes, when he has a comic on, uh, this is, uh, you made it weird. Uh, he'll, um, they'll talk so much about that sort of topic on everything is scary when you and Kyle start talking about being comics and then you feel like, Oh no, we're getting far away from the movie. (laughs) I'm like, I don't care. keep talking about that. (laughs) So I, um, I love, and then I, I just recorded an episode it will come out later with, um, a writer, but we were talking about the Pixar movie, Soul. Mm-hmm. And I after watching that movie, I uh, which I, I recommend weirdly, like it doesn't need support, but um, it is really good to think about what motivates you. Uh, one of the themes of the movie is like, what's your thing? Uh, what's the spark that kind of gives your life meaning and things like that? And I realized it's storytelling, not necessarily telling them, but I like drawing stories out of other people, collecting them uh, giving people access to stories. That's kind of related to why I'm a historian. Um, yeah, that's a long way to say, I just really like comics talking about being a comic and I think what first got me excited about stand-up comedy was they're telling me stories about other places cause I'm growing up in this uh, small rural background and I just wanted to hear everything, everything, ever since I left my small town, I'm just like, how are we not talking about everything all the time? Uh, about what's outside of what our little experience is. Um, so thank you for asking. I had never uh, verbalized it before.
1: <laughs> How many episodes are you in now?
0: This will be 23.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, that's really, that's super interesting to me. Um, and thank you so much for including me in this it is like, I know that I'm not at a bigger level as a lot of comedians are.
0: You're um, pretty big to me, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so on the bottom of the molehill. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate it. and mm. yeah, there's uh, I'm I want to check out more of the episodes because this is something that I think is really fun to to learn about and I love how you um, how you think of comedians. As oral storytellers, and um, if you
0: don't, if you can handle hearing even more of Kyle, uh, you listen to <laughs> Kyle's episode it was a fun one. He, in true Kyle fashion, he went, I think, though it's the longest episode I've ever had. I think it was two hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's the longest episode on my husband's podcast, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think Don was like, Oh, I think we got up to three to four hours because I just kept. Because I'm so sleepy because I'm pregnant. I just kept coming out going, oh, you still doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you guys haven't even started talking about the second movie yet. Oh, my yeah. gosh.
0: <laughs> with his, we got to a point where I was like, I kind of lied and reframed it. I was like, oh, I ask people these questions. I'll just do it as a lightning round whatever. <laughs> and then, like, but then an hour later, after he had finished all of the questions. So, uh, yeah. If, it's very nice of you to even care about a hobbyist's podcast, but if you no, want to listen to no, one, oh you should gosh. listen to uh, Kyle's. I think is you would enjoy if you want to hear him more. Um, but you can see the catalog. There's uh, oh, try to have a diverse lineup. So
1: I think we're all when it comes to podcasts, unless you're getting paid, everybody's a hobbyist. That's <laughs> like, true, yeah. honestly. Um, and I love like I love getting to hear what essentially. For me, listening to your podcast will be the closest I get to feel like I'm in a green room again. Uh, So hmm. that green room experience, I think, and for listeners who aren't familiar with that, that's where like uh, the comedians are before the show. And Mm -hmm. that is, that's where all those... (laughs) (laughs) like inside baseball moments are happening. Yeah. (laughs) That was the dream
0: too, is like, I was going to come back. I was hoping to do these in person. It was going to, I I think though, like it's sort of a a tiny blessing in disguise was that to do, to start it on zoom. Mm -hmm. uh, It was much easier, but I had the dream. Like I had my zoom recorder. I was going to go to like, like you said, try to talk to people at shows and in green rooms, maybe even talk to fans. Um, So we'll see what I can do more with it when we can go to comedy in person again, Um, which might not be for a while. But in the meantime, I still want to talk about it because I miss it so much. So
1: It's awesome. That's super cool. And I'm glad somebody is doing this because we forget some of these memories. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like,
1: I'm sure the next time we talk, I'll be like, oh, no, there's a worse show. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um,, no, this is fun, yeah, well, uh, did you wanna plug anything? i oh,
1: um, I mean, you did a great job already about mentioning like everything is scary i I love when people are listening to that um I'm always <laughs> honored that anybody is I'm just like, oh, thank you for listening to me prattle on and then kyle with his astute knowledge about movies because he has Uh like degrees in this field and i'm just like i like it (laughs) Uh um yeah and then i guess any of the social media items that are just jen saunderson Mm -hmm. um because i never know what people if you like political angry tweets that that i'm on twitter if you like seeing a mom with a big old pregnant belly dance i'm on tiktok so that's that's where i am i guess (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. so at jen saunderson on twitter instagram and tiktok Mm -hmm. um her website's also very nicely designed with a bunch of videos you can see her stand up there and other clips (laughs) she has on there i'll put all the links to all of this in the show description Um, But that was Jen Saunderson. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to have gotten to do this.
0: Thank you for listening to Don't Sit in the Front. Please rate and subscribe and leave me a review. You can follow the show on Twitter with the handle don't underscore sit or don't sit in the front, all one word, on Instagram. Our music is composed by Chris Helking and our cover art is provided by Memory Bloom Studio. Thank you so much for listening and just remember to always punch up and keep swinging.